Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to Series 3, Episode 2 of Raw Talent, where we're heading to Newcastle to explore the world of affordable rental fashion with Isabella West, founder of Higher Street. When it comes to fashion rentals, Isabella discovered people worry about damage, late fines and affordability. As consumers, they were spending around £25 to £30 on an outfit they'd wear once and throw away when they stumbled across it again in the future. Through focus group studies, she discovered people want newness and access to the styles they are already buying at an affordable price, with inclusivity, sustainability and empowering women at the foundation of their values. Higher Street offers outfits for all occasions, including new, pre-loved, modelled by you and a try-on service. Hi Isabella, welcome to Raw Talent. It's lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here. Pleasure. I know you're really busy at the moment, so thank you for taking the time. Um, Let's start by telling everyone how we met, which actually came about from a little bit of research we were doing into the growth of the fashion rental market. And we love that you are offering affordable choices, as most of the focus is on luxury. Um, Yeah, so well done with that. Thank you. Um, We'll come into the detail of it in a bit, but um, let's start with kind of where you got started, which was um, you graduated in 2014 with a first class degree in economics and management. Tell us how you got your career started and how it led to the creation of Higher Street in 2018. Amazing. Um, So, I mean, before uni, um, just as extra context, so I grew up with two sisters. Um, my mum works in fashion and, you know, I very much grew up with a sharing mentality. Um, we, I loved nice clothes, um, but it wasn't just me who was wearing them. You know, they would never stay in my wardrobe for very long. Um, I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> the arguments that used to go on over clothes were absolutely hilarious. We had wars. <laughs> No, no, we genuinely do. And sometimes I'll be like on, I don't know, Instagram now, and I'll see one of my sister's friends in my top that I left. I'm like, are you joking? So, I mean, it's amazing. And it definitely taught me like how, you know, the one of the nicest things about it is, right, we've all been there when girls are getting dressed and they put on an outfit that they love and they have that like confident glow. So I very much grew up knowing that. Like I knew that it didn't really matter that an outfit wasn't brand new on you. I, like, I knew it wasn't matter, like it didn't matter if the outfit wasn't brand new, sorry. What mattered is that it was new on you. It was the first time you've worn it. It's the first time you felt like that. Yes, I get that completely. I think yes. that's always the thing when you've got with sisters. It doesn't really matter whether it's new or not. You just need something different to wear that you haven't worn before. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like it was definitely, it's definitely that. So that was kind of like my background and I definitely took it to that mentality with me at uni um, and I actually ran something what we used to call um, a dress cupboard. So I, I used to get home from lectures and there'd be people in my room in my dresses I used to, and I used to welcome it. I used to absolutely love um, kind of that feeling of people being like, oh my God, can I borrow this? I absolutely love it. You know, it, it's a big night out tonight and it's just, I'd always been that person. I'm not a foodie. Um, you know, I'm not a gym bunny. If I have spare money, it goes on, on outfits and I have a bit of an obscene wardrobe or I had before I donated it all to higher street. Um, and, and I used to really just absolutely love sharing it with people. So 
that was very easy to do um, at university. Um, I lived in a college for three years, um, which was brilliant. So basically, you know, you know, you're on a corridor with your 20 best mates and therefore sharing outfits is, you know, no more difficult than knocking on the door next door. Um, of course. But obviously, you know, when everyone moved to London, some people moved to, you know, the South. Some people moved to Fulham. Some people, you know, were like Kentish Town. It was it was definitely not kind of like a two-minute trip to get your outfit for the night. It was like probably a two-hour round trip to, to kind ah. of sharing in the same way that we once were. So, you know, I definitely was always kind of aware of that time period where I think a lot of things changed in my life. So I started earning. So I went into the city. I was... Um, a strategy consultant um and then at the same time I you know was really kind of like cliche but living for the weekend um and it was the rise of Instagram and it was kind of the London life which is not easy to share so myself personally I became so much more wasteful I, I had disposable income so I was buying more outfits I wasn't as easily able to share them with people and obviously the whole rise of Instagram you know back in that this is like years ago now but you know you really were not wanting to be tagged in the same outfit twice so I think just it was kind of a perfect storm for me there was kind of first five years of my career in London um and I, I, I was being wasteful. I could see I was being wasteful. I'll always remember, like I was coming to move house actually once and um, I put a hundred items of clothing on my bed and I invited the girls over for Prosecco and I was like, go and take what you want. And it's amazing because I still see them in those outfits all the time. Um, but it, it just really like hit home that I needed to find a way to be better at how I was consuming. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually, so I ended up, so it was being a consultant, which I loved. It's a, it's a really good crash course in kind of like learning core business skills. Um, and as a consultant, I ended up working um, for Selfridges in their group strategy team. And one of the projects that I ended up working on for them was basically like the future of fashion and what do we think the future of retailing is. And for them, they were interested in like, you know, AI in stores or like, you know, virtual mirrors in the dressing room. Yeah. And it was great. You know, they had all these kind of amazing initiatives to increase footfall. But for, for me, when I was reading the reports coming out of the US and, and Australia, I was you know, I was just fascinated by the rise of rental. So, you know, in the US, you had Rent the Runway. In Australia, you had Glam Corner. These were businesses that were just like thriving and there was nothing in the UK. And I just, I, it definitely was a light bulb moment. I was like, in my personal life, I've been struggling with this. And now in my work life, it's like, seems so obvious of, you know, what I need to do next. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a really interesting journey. It really was like, I literally left, uh, Selfridges and six months later Higher Street you know was was trading so, like Amazing. That's so it, fantastic it, yeah it was great and it, it was I think I, I think also you know a lot of my experience and like you know growing up with my sisters having that approach at uni has fed into like Higher Street as a business so yeah. you know there was a lot of information available to me because of how kind of almost generous I'd been with my sharing, people kind of thought, oh, this is perfect for you to do. Like, I don't mind being interviewed for half an hour, like telling you exactly what, you know, I would want if I was ever to rank clothes from a like tech platform, which honestly at that time sounded pretty foreign to them. Um, so I, I, I was so lucky, you know, I had hundreds of people like responding and helping me in the initial stages of like planning the business. So it was amazing and it was a very quick process. Um, amazing, because people wanted to get involved and they're like, oh my God, that's a great idea. This is what I'd love to have. It, it really was. Yeah. It was. It was so lovely. Like People were so generous with their time and their ideas. And I think that part is, is something that we've really like kept as a business. Like We're very, you know, we always ask for feedback and we really do act on it. And I, I think that's, that grew out of almost that first six months where like, people were so helpful with their time and, and yeah. you know, that I, I've just kept it up throughout and it really yeah. shifted us. I think it's such an important thing to do and it's a really good um, point to highlight for anybody doing anything, get as much feedback as you can. Yeah. Um, on your startup journey, 
Um, the first VC you spoke to uh, told you to look for a male co-founder in order to have credibility given your age and gender in order to reduce their risk. I can't even believe I'm happy to say that. It's so horrifying. How did you respond and what did you learn from the experience? <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, right? But I haven't, I haven't been... At the time, I... I I didn't question it. Like now I'm outraged, of course, but like at the time I believed them. Like I, I genuinely, like I felt sorry for them. They told me a story, literally, quote unquote, where they had invested 200,000 pounds in a sole founding female who had fallen pregnant and they'd basically lost their money. I mean, it wasn't their personal money. It was the fund's money, but they were telling me this story to tell me that like, you know, they've been burnt by sole founding females. And therefore, if I wanted their investment, I should find a, find a male co-founder. And I spent months looking for one because I was like, well, I do want their investment. Of course I do. They're like one of the biggest Northeast investors. Like if I rule them out, you know, that's definitely not a good thing. And, and also I just assumed that any other investor would have the same outlook because, you know, that does happen as a female. I mean, so I just... I really, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously like now, like I will never get that time back. I, you know, I interviewed male friends. I was on like these like founding forums being like, does anybody know anyone who might be interested in doing this with me? Honestly, it was, uh, I felt like I was high risk and, and unworthy of their money but on my own. And, and it, you know, it's not until really, really recently that I've had the confidence to be like, that was absurd. And what changed, what changed it for you at the time? You had a conversation with a friend of yours, didn't you? Hmm. What did and you say? He basically just said, Is, like, you don't need me. He's a <laughs> great guy. He works at Accenture. He's a really, really smart guy. And like, I would yeah. have had him on board and I was hounding him to come on board because at that point I was like, Nick, if I don't have you, I won't get my investment. And, you know, I really was like kind of chasing him. He was like, is you have all the answers. Like, what do you, you know, why you don't need me. Like what you need to do is have more faith in yourself. Um, and that was amazing. And, you know, at the end, like I actually kind of, I, I ended up raising, uh, not from that VC. Um, I, I raised privately and they, they, my angel investors never, ever said to me anything about a male co-founder and, and, you know, the, the issue just went away and, I just, I'm so grateful that I didn't, you know, give a part of my business to someone who wasn't. That, that you know, mentality. Absolutely. Yeah. And they, when you were looking for alternative investment, they um, actually did come back and offer you, didn't they? But you, you had the last laugh. Oh, yeah. Turn them down. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely did have the last laugh, um, which, is. which is nice. Um, in a strange sense, kind of, they did knock my confidence now thinking about it. Um, I bet. I bet. I mean, it's so, you know, with everything that's happened in the last year, it's so horrifying that someone should be discriminated against based on their gender and their age. And, you know, these are things that, in, in for me, coming, working with businesses on a regular basis, dealing with recruitment, it's a no-go. You can't do it. You know, you're breaking the law. And mm. it's horrifying that in this day and age, and it's really not that long ago, that um, people would do that. So yeah, there's a lesson to anyone listening who's uh, who thinks that women aren't capable because they're young and women. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's I think the whole investment process is it's almost designed to be, and I'd love to anyone listening to hear that story on this, but it's designed to be horrifically intimidating. Yeah. Like, literally sat row of like five people you're made to present, you're absolutely grilled. Sometimes the questions aren't even relevant, they're just to make you sweat. And it's a bit like Dragon's Den, isn't it? It's the Dragon's Den style model. That's reality. That's what they want it to yeah. feel, right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and if you are a sole founder, regardless of whether you're male or female, it's it's a hellish process getting any sort of rejection ever is is challenging you know it comes to the fact that like you know a business that you've put a year of your life into and people are like I don't think it's worthy of this money I don't think you've modeled it out correctly or I don't think you've thought about this you know it really does send send you off on one because you're like yeah 
What's your confidence? Yeah. Then you question yourself. And actually, what they should be doing is giving constructive suggestions, not yeah. criticism ever. Because, you know, you look at all the different um, ideas from which businesses are born. Some of them are super random. Mm. And it isn't anyone's place to say, you can't do this, or I don't think this, because they're always coming from their own experience. And yeah. anyone can do absolutely anything. So it's really about giving them the tools and helping them along the way. Um, And obviously, you know, the numbers need to work. Um, There needs to be a sensible plan at the foundation of it. But if that's there, then it isn't really, it shouldn't be an ego trip where people, you know, look to get their sledgehammer out and go, right, let's give them a good bash. (laughs) Honestly, if um, if I could do one thing, if I, you know, ever kind of exited higher street, you know, down the line, I would love to set up a female focus VC because absolutely it's it's such an underrepresented area and I remember being told in in by the same VC actually ironically um that you know one of the first things they said to me was my wife really likes this idea and I remember thinking well the number then get her in here I was like, you should really like this idea. You know what? You're yeah. Not exactly, your, your portfolio isn't booming, and this is a great idea. Like, what yes. do you mean, wife likes it? <laughs> so it was. Yeah. It I was immediately like on the defensive, and it is a. It's a really tough situation to be in and it's not a nice yeah. thing to do on your own especially when it's your first funding round and you just don't know that that is unfortunately just what the process is like absolutely it's really intimidating what advice would you give to entrepreneurs you know seeking investment yeah. based on that experience <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's improved a bit but I bet it still goes on yeah, no, it's it's so true. Um, so yeah. I think one thing that's really important is before you go to any like VC or anything like that, obviously make sure you've researched all the grants that you can or any kind of like free support you can get. So for me, I received quite a few like sustainability grants. I was um, supported by um, the NatWest Accelerator Program, which was amazing. You know, I had people helping me um, like local like free initiatives um which basically like if I think about what I would have how I would have been positioned without them you know I wouldn't the 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 free grants really helped me like really make a difference don't they they gave me a runway to like prove the model without needing investment early so you know even if it was just £5,000, you know, if I bought 100 dresses with that and then, you know, all of those 100 dresses got rented, then, you know, that's me then going to the VC and saying, well, you know, give me that concept. Yeah, I I can prove it. And so that's really make the most of free support before you, you know, it makes your business model more proven before you get in front of an an investor. So that's definitely a thing. Um, Brilliant yeah, we for us as well, you know, we really took a, a related to that, we really took a minimum viable product approach. So we were so lean, like the first version of Higher Street was, you know, cost a couple thousand to build. Like I, I begged, borrow, stole, I listed my, like in terms of like the, the dresses that we had, like I, that was me finally getting payback to my sisters, like taking their dresses from their wardrobe, putting them on models, listing them yeah. on Higher Street. <laughs> Two days later, they're like, Izzy, that's my dress on Higher Street. I'm, yes, I'm sorry, but you've worn enough of mine in your life and you're never going to wear it again. Worn it. <laughs> so I am, um, I source the first they borrow they, they borrow steel just get yeah. as much product in as possible <laughs> that's what I did honestly I, I, that those those first like items were you know essential to proving the model worked you know and then once once we had them online and once we started like testing them we could see in in the focus group it was really interesting you know people said to me currently I typically you know buy a new outfit twice a month and most likely I'm going to spend between 20 and 40 pounds every time I buy that new outfit. And it's most likely from ASOS or Zara. That was like overwhelming feedback. So when we were, when we were like making the kind of like first product, uh, everyone told me that they basically, instead of paying 40 pounds or 39.99 for their Zara dress that week, they wanted to rent that Zara dress for like eight pounds that week. And and they thought that they still wanted the same items, but actually what happened is, is, you know, the, the dresses that I'd, you know, borrowed from friends, the ones that were more high end. So the ones that we'd had, you know, like the house of CB ones or, you know, the never fully dressed ones, they were ones that 
you know, people were renting. So people thought they wanted one thing, but actually when it came to having the website there, they were like, they'd never, they probably wouldn't think to say, oh, in a focus group, oh, I think I'd want to rent this brand because they hadn't been buying that brand. But when that item was available for £20 on the website, yes, it's more expensive than what they thought they would have been happy to spend renting, but they wanted to try that product. They wanted that higher end experience than what they had been having. So it's a classic case of like, you have to get your product in the hands of users. Otherwise, they might have the best will and intention in the world to help you, but they don't know what they want. So no, that's right. You need to feed them because actually it's just about sort of having a bit of breadth and depth. So it's really interesting that you discovered that. And it kind of leads me on to, to thinking about where it's all going at the moment. I love the analogy from when we spoke last time where you said um, the year after the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic came the roaring 20s and after everybody had been locked in for 18 months. How did this inspire your try on service? Because that's a really clever concept. Thank you. Um, so basically, try on service was very much born out of COVID. So, you know, we have yeah. thousands of dresses um, that are sitting in a warehouse. And obviously, the whole point of Higher Street is to facilitate better sharing. You know, we want those dresses to be worn and we want the people wearing them to be happy. Um, so what what happens is is you know in normal times we we're very much like oversubscribed in a way we don't necessarily want people to be booking three things and only wearing one because they've got two backups so we really as a business like we perform best when you as a customer rents one thing they it fits them perfectly and then they return it that's like a perfect solution to kind of like optimize your utilization yeah um obviously in a time like covid nothing was really going out so no one had yeah. any no one had anywhere to go we just the warehouse was full so we decided okay well maybe we can fix a future problem you know a problem that we know that we have which is people want to buy a people want to rent a backup um and that doesn't like help us as a business in terms of our utilization goals. So if we could get people, encourage people now in this downtime to try on five dresses that they think they might want for the rest of the year, then, then perfect. What, what that means is, is that when it comes to their event, their birthday or their graduation or their friend's wedding, they already know and they've already tried on those outfits. So they only need to rent once. And that's, that's just kind of so much better for us um, from an operations perspective. So the trial was really built to address that. Um, it's been quite funny, actually, to be honest. So we saw lots of people do this in the summer and we said, you know, so we saw loads of people like try outfits on for like summer and then kind of summer was still cancelled. And then in September, we saw loads of people try on stuff for winter and then winter's pretty much been cancelled. So everyone next year has like 10 dresses <laughs> that they've already like tried on, styled in their heads. So hopefully we'll start to see like some of the reward from that in 2020. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully things now that we've got news of various vaccines hopefully they're going to start rolling those out soon and things will start to turn a bit which will be really exciting oh. you have some interesting dynamics to share based on logistical challenges tell us about your experience and how you have adapted in terms of the pandemic mm. well obviously we really are a logistics business so yes like the, the aim of the game is to get address to as many people like in, in any given month. So let's take the month of December. The aim of the game is to get addressed to as many people as possible in that 30 days or 31 days. So obviously, you know, typically in December, you might have like the staff Christmas party, which tends to be like the first couple of weeks, then you have Christmas and then you have new year. So for us, it's like, how do we turn that dress around three times in that period? So it's everything from like, you know, being as lean as we can with lead and lag times between bookings. Um, we've just introduced a concept which is actually called the 12 days of Christmas. And it's to encourage people to book, like basically we're giving eight days of rental for free. So you pay for a four day rental, but you get to keep them for 12. And that's because the way that Christmas falls this year is it's obviously it's on a Saturday. So boxing day is on a Sunday. And then you have another day off on the Monday, which means that if you were to send your outfits back post Christmas, you're going to send them back that Monday. They're not going to get back to the warehouse till the Tuesday, Wednesday to turn them around and then get them out for new year again is 
very difficult. So instead of trying to do that, this year we're encouraging like people to just do a really long booking where they get a couple outfits um, and they keep them from you know the 22nd of December to the 2nd of January. Um, it's a game, honestly. It's a game of trying to get make as many people happy with the limited dresses that we have as possible. Absolutely. And have you had a good reception to that idea? It's been amazing. Um, it's really good, actually. I think um, it's been like the last week has been the first kind of like positive shift we've seen in a long time. I think that's nice because people are starting to feel like Christmas is coming. We've got yeah. like it's December next month, next week. Yeah. It suddenly feels like it's around the corner. Everyone's like, well, we're all at home. We'll get our Christmas trees out early. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I love that. And it's so nice yeah. doing that. I, I keep driving yeah houses where people have trees up and I just love it I need to get on mine I'm I really need to get on mine absolutely yeah weekend project yeah exactly I'm, the tree. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna do it but no you're you're absolutely right like yesterday was our highest sales day since March That's amazing. Um, which is amazing and and you know what it's just lovely to think that people have that excitement again like yeah. it's nice it's been such a rubbish year it's been such a rubbish year absolutely I could not agree with you more <laughs> brilliant what are your most popular styles well it really changes by time of year but at the minute yes. um we I mean sequins are flying out the door um as always in December um which is actually great because it makes it from yeah. a sustainability perspective you know sequins are really not good for the environment they're not uh, good for the environment they're a disaster actually so exactly. that's good so renting sequins especially because our warehouse is kind of configured for you know to reduce any kind of like sequin microplastics going into the oceans or anything like that we have precautions in place and you know the whole principle of like sharing obviously is so much better um than buying the sequin dresses and wearing it once so it's really nice to be able to facilitate sharing on on those garments Uh, Mm. it's definitely glitz we i think a lot of people are doing gatsby parties which is lovely which also ties in with my whole roaring 20s and um yeah um vibe but quite we had quite a lot of messages this week saying like can you can we make a gatsby edit so we're, we're on it we're doing it oh, anyone listening I love that people want you to help them with their theme parties yeah That's fantastic it's, <laughs> it's great i love it and i think yeah. i think yeah it's basically people doing a gatsby slash end of 2020 party and i'm on board definitely and that's such a great idea for high street and just for the whole concept to be able to help people with that because it is a pain trying to find things for you know anything that you need to dress up in so yeah and this is a really good way of doing it yeah how has your customer experience evolved as they shop your website kind of as from where you started you've you've added new features and things tell me a bit about that oh wow yeah I mean it is it's hardly recognizable thank god (laughs) many reasons but but obviously when we first started, we really, you know, going back to that minimum viable product approach, it was dresses that, you know, they were, that we only had one of each size because they were, you know, my friends and my family's outfits. Um, so we had one of each size, you know, the shoot, the shoots that we did looking back and not what I was proud of. So the site just didn't look like anything like it does now. Um, I was managing like dry cleaning myself as in running between various different dry cleaners and various different post offices and Hermes drop shops and all sorts. So it was horrifically busy, but to reduce that, well, to try and make it manageable, I had like only a 10 day rental period um, and everything got delivered on a Friday. So you'd basically have it on a Friday um, until like the following Monday, 10 days later. And then everyone would post it back that day. I would have like, they would arrive on the Tuesday. I had, I'd have a crazy week trying to make sure everything was dry cleaned. And then I'd be going back to the post office on Thursday for dispatch for delivery on the next Friday if that makes sense yeah so you're going like on this you're just in this mad cycle how yeah. what does it look like today compared to that so different. warehouse it's all self-contained yeah thank god I don't do any of it no um, you've got but, a whole logistics setup that does that takes care of the sending out the dry yeah. cleaning what yeah. other features have come on, on onto the website because your product range has expanded yeah so, so we we now work with retailers to secure stock. So we, you know, we buy in packs. So we don't just have like a size eight. We'll have like two sixes. We, we'll have like a from six to like a kind of classically 
either a 14 or kind of like up to an 18 depending on the brand brand yeah so depending on what their pack size is normally yes yes and so that's that's obviously different and then obviously we also work with the brands for their images so the site looks a lot better than when we were kind of shooting it ourselves we have an in-house model who's brilliant and does you know a lot of like the kind of content that you see which maybe the brand has shot like in a way that doesn't work on our website so kind of like a you know an un- unrecognizable image so they haven't got the fate the, the model's head in yeah there's also sort of funny things that happen aren't there so you can then reshoot things yeah so we, yes. ha- we have the capability to reshoot in house which we do do um and then you know now you can have it you know we, we can dispatch five thousand items an hour so you know you can wow. order now and have it by you know tomorrow if you needed it um it's it's just it's so different it's so so different um yeah it's really evolved it's just you know massive flexibility that's brilliant what happens to the stock once you have maximized its rental life because I'm really curious to know about that yeah we love site which I think is absolutely brilliant yeah student sample sales and gifting initiatives um tell us a bit about that because I think that's so great that you do this yeah, no, so absolutely. So, we, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we're not three years old yet. So a lot of the stock we have is, is still performing really well. Um, so, you know, it's not like we have yet, I think in, you know, in two years time, when we're five years old, we might be looking to kind of replace more of the, you know, stock that's kind of three years old, because it might have, you know, no longer be in fashion or it might be showing more signs of wear and tear obviously at the minute you know only we've only had to resell a small portion of our total stock base because fundamentally most of it is new um so yeah with what we're currently doing um and and this is one massive myth is sample sales worked really well for us because Sometimes when you're buying online and it says it's a pre-loved product, you don't trust the quality. To be honest, like there's probably something so tiny wrong with it, like a sequin missing or, you know, something that would never be noticed. Absolutely. and, you, and when you're in a sample sale, like, you know, if we went to, say, Durham, we, we would deliberately take formal dresses because Durham is quite a formal university. They have, you know, they have m- far more black tie occasions than, than others. Um, and so we would, we would take an appropriate selection for that university. And um, we basically, you know, we get over that barrier because the girls are like literally so surprised just by how affordable it is. They're like, this is 10 pounds and it used to be a hundred. Like what's wrong with it? And we'll show them like the tiniest pulled thread and they'll be like, oh my God. Whereas on a pre-loved site, I think it's harder to convey how good the product is. Um, so that's something that we're still working on, to be honest, like pre-loved has been great, but it's, it's definitely a channel that I, I would like to grow more. Um, uh, and I think I think there's loads to learn. So I've been reading a lot about, you know, we're working with Depop and eBay at the minute to try and test that out as well. Um, yeah, it's de- I think obviously, you know, the ultimate goal is to make ourselves entirely circular in this cycle of what we do. You know, we will we'll, nothing will ever go to landfill. So it's just about making the slickest processes possible to rehome items once, you know, they're no longer in perfect quality for rental. That's brilliant. And I think it's so important things don't go to landfill. There's always a use for things, isn't there? So that's brilliant. I love that. And there's so many people also that started things where they make, um, you know, homeware or other items out of clothes. So there's always something, isn't there? Definitely. That's fantastic. I'd I'd love to hear a bit more more about your inspiring accolades as well, because you've got a few of those. You've got Forbes 30 under 30, the GBEA Dis- Disruptor of the Year of the uh, Disruptor of the Year Northeast Award, Northeast Young Business Person of the Year. Um, that's quite a that's quite a gathering of um, lovely commendations, which kind of makes up for your early VC experiences. Tell me about those. <laughs> I've never even thought about like you know using one against the other but yeah it's nice it's it just shows how things level up doesn't it because you had all those people at the beginning who were just full of doubt and you know wanted to find wanted to find fault and you know here you are less than three years old with three really fantastic awards yeah no it's it's amazing I think I think for me like it still doesn't like Forbes was definitely a goal, you know, like I've, my, my parents, both entrepreneurs, I really, 
you know, I knew I wanted to start, start up a business and like I kind of joked at the start being like I'd love to make Forbes 30 under 30 and obviously when I when I started Higher Street I was 24 so I had six years to do it in my head and to get it at 26 I was like well I need to set some new goals <laughs> I was like it was I, I was just it still is such a like nice happy thing happy place for me to go to when I think about it which is and doesn't that really also show the power of goal setting yes it does it it, honestly there are I mean I'm I have not been amazing at this and and you know the whole kind of concept of separating your life from your work and being able to like manage stress effectively and not letting every up and down in your business entirely sway your personal life like my god I was terrible at that and I think I think there's been that has been such a learning curve that I think it sounds silly because I'm actually someone who hates recognition like I I really like loads of people keep telling me to read this book which is it's out at the minute called uh, it's basically called F being humble and everyone's like you need to read this because you know I, I just get really awkward with recognition, like yeah. But, but I think a lot of people yeah. do, though, because it's yeah. really about the motivation behind what you're doing. It isn't about being recognised. Yeah, it's lovely to have these things, and it's lovely. It's a nice encouragement, but really, it's the mission. <laughs> yeah. And that you've actually put it into, put it perfectly. Like for me, you know, it makes like the, the that that side of things privately is lovely because I've given a lot for it like you know there's been so much like that has so much of me that's gone into it you know like I will never be the the naive person I once I was when I was 24 ever again um and I, I have been through a lot with it so like privately they're like really nice things to have um um but like I'm I'm kind of terrible at like talking about them or promoting that I've got them so I, I see them in different ways yeah, and you don't need to I think I wanted to bring it up because I'm proud of you and I think oh. what a fantastic achievement and what a fantastic example to anyone doubting themselves and I'm coming at it from that perspective because it takes a lot of guts to start a business um and even more so, I think, when you come up against um, some of the existing prejudices that exist in society, and the more we break those down, the better. So, um, and that's why I wanted to have you come on here and tell your story, because I just think it's about being determined and carrying on regardless and not taking um, any of these things too seriously. So, yeah, you know, well, no, I, I really appreciate that. And I think yeah. I took totally Grit, grit is the one thing if anyone ever says right. like what would you need to be an entrepreneur I always say grit you know there are a hundred there are way more than a hundred times I have cried and cried and wanted to give up but there is no part of me that ever will, you know <laughs> yeah I know that feeling especially during <laughs> lockdown where it's it's all been so frustrating this it's last so it's just like you're yeah. like you know why no one builds a business you know no one builds an events-based business to go into lockdown and then it's just yeah you can't help but feel like just like devastated and lost and it's oh, I totally agree I think you know yeah it's absolutely a it's it's mad it's it's been a mad year what would you say out of the out of the three years what have been the highlights of your experience so far in the evolution of the business yeah this is you know what this is perfect time for this question because I think I probably changed, like, I, I probably would say something different today than I might have done yesterday because I'd forgotten about it. So oh. I think, I think yesterday was our best, you know, was the first return to orders day we've had in so long. And it was amazing. And I, I, I love that so much. But what happens is, is like, when we get orders, what the process is, someone, you know, pops up on chat or they, DM us on Instagram and it's like, oh, I'm looking for a Gatsby dress, let's say. And we'll send them some recommendations. They'll be like, oh my God, I love the red one. Oh my God, I can't wait to show people. And then we kind of see almost, obviously not for every customer, but we see the whole process. We then, we, you know, it gets delivered to them. We, they tag us in it. They then leave a review on Trustpilot saying like, I literally felt amazing in this dress. I told everyone about Higher Street, like I cannot wait for my next event. And 
you know, that cycle of, fe- of feeling involved with someone's like happy moments is just amazing. Now, I didn't realize how much I'd missed that, but the excitement of yesterday, the excitement in the team in general, just to see those orders coming in and in, it's just, it's why we did it. And, you know, and what those orders mean is that in two weeks time, we will have happy customers and we will have that feedback. We will have those gorgeous images. We will have their friends on our site. And, and that's how we start to actually like, that's where, why we got to where we got to, you know, that's how we ah. grew so quickly is because of the word of mouth. And oh, wow. it's just such a lovely thing to be involved in. And, and I really, that is the highlights, you know, the, the, for me, the highlight is, is every customer that gets, that feels amazing because they tell us about it and I read it and I'm like, Oh, that's so worth it. Oh, that's such a nice story. And yeah, that's it. You're, you're doing something that makes people happy and, you know, helps them to, um, have what they need for a particular event or occasion. So it's fun. It's a fantastic feeling. I love that. That's great. What has been the biggest challenge, but also the greatest learning opportunity by contrast? Well, I think it's been a long challenge, but obviously for us, COVID has been massive. You know, we, as a business, you know, if we look at the numbers as of, you know, February 19 to February 20, we, we've grown a thousand percent, you know, things were going well. I think as an entrepreneur, I probably had had it way too easy. I hadn't really had any, not like, we, obviously I'd had challenges and I'd had like the investment setbacks and all that side of things, but I had had nothing that would fundamentally structurally change the direction or the purpose of the business or, you know, wipe out pretty much a year's worth of revenues. Um, yeah. You know, at the same time of managing a team of like 15 people who are all working from home and really like not struggling mentally but of course we all are feeling a bit like strange and yeah like it's a lot as you know I've when when COVID happened I'd just turned 27 and I felt like I it was my responsibility to be continually optimistic I still am you know to this day like no one wants to follow a pessimist so if I had sat down in March and been like guys we're you know we're buggered here like this is not going to be good then you know, God knows if we, you know, if everyone would have stayed and everyone would have like worked as hard as they have done over the past nine months, like, you know, it's so hard, but like that, I think I had to like, from a personal perspective, learn so much so quickly and in, in, from a management side. Um, and I gave so much of myself, like, and I think this is, the, this is the next learning from it is like, it's very draining to have to wake up every morning and, be the light and soul like the light and soul the life and soul of like positivity and like this is going to be a great year regardless like December is going to be fabulous or whatever it is whatever lie I have to tell myself to like make everyone motivated that day I don't think I realized until the second lockdown really how draining that had been on me how exhausted I was and how I was just like this is shit frankly and mm. I'm really really tired of pretending it's not to everyone yeah um, I've been exactly the same as you actually I've yeah. done everything I can to try and stay positive find solutions <laughs> and you definitely do hit a wall with that where you just oh I'm just going to give up I fell up with it and blah. yeah um, you know hence our conversation before we started recording about you know we're going to do another pivot and yeah. create a members only zone we're going to have some really interesting things because it's like, you know, we've got to find ways of, of staying flow and keeping ourselves alive. <laughs> it, honestly, it comes back to that grit and that resourcefulness, doesn't it? Because yeah. it's so key. And, you know, there are definitely days where it would have been a lot easier to kind of like, just be like, you know what, I'm having today off. I'm so tired. I'm so drained. I don't want to do this. But it's just not an option. You know, you have a responsibility right. to lead your business and to take it into the future and, you know, keep everyone motivated behind it. So I think... Yeah. And luckily Christmas is around the corner. So for you guys, that's fantastic because it gives you an opportunity to suddenly start. Be busy. Yeah, be busy and spring back to life again. What can we look forward to from Higher Street in 2021? Assuming that they start rolling vaccines out sooner rather than later and things really start to look more positive. What are your plans? Um, So we've actually got a massive business pivot happening, which is really exciting. Um, And... Effectively, what it is, is it's 
obviously we've always been kind of brand uh, like a a brand that is working with customers so you know we've built brand higher street you have been used to interacting with us for your rentals well one of the things that we're kind of looking at doing increasingly is is helping other brands um enter the world of rental so using our technology to power brands who want to dip their toe into rental so you know if you're a startup and you think oh you know instead of starting up a fashion brand i want to start up a rental business or if you're a bigger brand and you want to rent out return stock you know we now would basically well we call we would call it kind of like a shopify for sharing but it's it's as as easy as plugging in your product product products and pressing play and uh you know everything else is taken care of so brilliant that's a really clever concept i think yeah wonderful i would have thought in 2021 given how dire everything's been for everyone this year that will be quite appealing for people yeah i think so i think there's a lot of excess stock around i think there's focus on sustainability rightly so um, and I think the fact is that people can use that excess stock to add a sustainable alternative to their like retail channel mix. Um, and I, I, well, we've already had kind of great interest and we've signed up uh, three big collaborations to announce early next year. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for it. And I think for me, for someone who built Higher Street, I didn't, you know, it was less about being designer or anything like that it was always about access it was always about building a service that was very usable and very inclusive so we you know our price point was directly built to compete with fast fashion because that's where the vast majority of people who were kind of like being a bit harmful to the environment buying something wearing it once were purchasing so the purpose has always been you know facilitating better sharing and focused on that accessibility point so it's a really natural extension of the brand you know Obviously, it's not brand higher street that will be operating rentals always, but it will be, it's just, it's in line with our mission and why we started in the first place. So it's been a massive progression. Exactly. That's what, yeah. I That's what I think as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. I love that. And we're actually, we've reached the closing question, can you believe? So my closing question to you is this, which leads on very nicely from what we've just discussed. If you could hire or collaborate with any three people in the world, who would they be and why? (laughs) I love this question. (laughs) I've discussed it with loads of people. Um, Excellent. I think... So one of them I didn't question, like straight away, Princess Diana. I'm obsessed with her. Like I've been watching all the Netflix documentaries recently. I just... You binge-watched Princess Diana. So you've had a download of her whole life. Oh my God, I'm so involved. I was crying. (laughs) I don't really cry. (laughs) I was crying at the documentary the other day. I was just like, oh my God, this is just so tragic. And she's just so cool. She's such an icon. I loved like watching, you know, throughout, you know, at the beginning when she's being like, daring with fashion she like is wearing like this black off the shoulder dress which yeah the black off the shoulder dress she yeah. broke a few boundaries she kind of she stepped away from like the I traditional very dowdy look of the royal family didn't she i loved it and then like when she started making like sportswear cool on the school run and like yeah. just so cool i just fashion wise think she's amazing um so nice obviously would be one um and is it another one is is emma watson yeah good choice i personally i'm i love harry potter but that's a side note i Um, love harry potter oh my god so do i i'm literally obsessed and then basically sad i am as well good good um a social fellow potter fan i just if you look behind me on the bookshelf you'll see they're all stuck in the corner (laughs) I can see that is so good. <laughs> I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's brilliant. But, you know what? I was gonna say J.K. Rowling just because I feel like I just she's so cool and because of what she did. But then I thought actually Emma is a bit. Given I've only got three to choose, I went with Emma because I think of everything else she stands for. I think she's just a beautiful person, like inside and out. Um, she's like so strong, principled. Um, and I think she'd just be an amazing ambassador for the brand. Um, I just love, you know, she's like very into sustainability. She'll look gorgeous in anything. And yeah, I just, and she ties to Potter. So that was that person. Absolutely. 
Person number two. Person number three, you're going to judge me so much on, right? But it's because it's 2020 and I need a holiday. So the third person that I'm collaborating with is Kim Kardashian because if she wore me, if she wore higher street, I think I could justify taking a bit of a, a sabbatical for, for a while. I think that would be Mark <laughs> pick. So Kimmy is is a choice more because I just want some time off and I think she would help achieve that. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah, just borrow your, just borrow your network for a bit. <laughs> I'd love to like take the start of next year off, Kim. So if you don't mind doing a post, that would be fabulous. Uh, I think that's a reasonable request and you deserve it. it has, I feel exactly the same way. It's like, oh my goodness, the thought of a holiday. It's just, it feels like holidays feel like a thing of the past they feel like something that belongs to another world another realm another <laughs> realm it's like what are holidays we you know oh my goodness yeah I'm with you on that one do you have your three huh? do, you have, do you have your three people that you'd collaborate with yeah you know, it's a really good question um I guess who would I choose um I think um, I think I would need to think about that. That's yeah, okay. A difficult one, but yeah. I can't, I'm sure we're going to have you on again, and I'm going to be prepared with some thoughts around who my three would be because, yeah, that's a very very good question. Well, next so, time I'll interview you. The next time you can interview me. Yes, that's a good idea. Really we'll our membership scheme up and running by that point, yes. and um, yeah, we'll club. Yeah, that I'll come on and talk about that and what we're doing. There you go. Deal. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun having you on here today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. It has been so much fun talking with Isabella today. We've bonded over Harry Potter, female entrepreneurship, never quitting, even though you're feeling utterly exhausted from the challenges presented by COVID in 2020, and holidays, which feel like something out of another realm. It has been fascinating to learn how Higher Street has evolved and the challenges Isabella has overcome from VCs planting the seed of doubt based on their own misfortunes to the way she has found true grit in remaining positive, keeping the team motivated and finding ways to evolve the business as we navigate the pandemic. For budding entrepreneurs, there is some great advice in pushing forward with free support and grants for proof of concept before seeking further investment And the other takeaway is the engagement and interaction with customers and how word of mouth can help business accelerate. Community engagement is something Isabella has really missed in the last few months and is so grateful to be experiencing again as we approach the festive season. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I'll be speaking with Kieran Hukin, founder of Swift, bringing a high quality sofa in a box to your door within 48 hours. And if you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.